Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt.
tell you over and over again, well, I read this when I was a kid. I read that when I was a kid. I wanted to be part of the space program because of science fiction. But if you don't have science fiction to feed your imagination, then what do you get? Uh, Trump, I guess. Uh. So. Yeah. And, here we go uh, again. Well, look at uh, Brave New World, the new TV series, and uh, the book. People probably thought it was crazy back in 1910. They'll give you a happy pill to make you enjoy your life. Right. Everyone's on happy pills now. A hundred years later, it it didn't just – it predicted the future spot on. Right, direct. What you're not feeling well? You don't. You're unhappy all the time. Oh, I've got a whole variety of pills we can try out until you yeah. feel better. Or to quote that, to quote the famous George Carlin bit: "Feeling happy, take a pill. Feeling sad, take a pill. Feeling horny, take a pill. Feeling not horny, take a pill." Can you use the bathroom? Take a pill. Are you not using the bathroom? Take a pill. Everything. You can take a pill. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like um, Brave New World. See, when I was in high school and we had to read Brave New World and and 1984, (laughs) I never realized that those two books would actually merge together and become our reality in the 21st century. It's just unreal. Yeah, fake news. Very good plus. (laughs) Greatly big. And guess what? Yesterday in China, a movie was uh, released in IMAX in there, and it made over... $2.5 $2.5 million in one day in this mess. Gee whiz. Can you guess what that is? What movie? Uh, Interstellar re-release. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Interstellar, everyone laughs at it, but that's going to be our reality, too. On top of everything else. <laughs> well, and plus, what's been number one at the drive-ins and the box office for the past summer? Horror um, films. I don't know. Yeah, horror films and disaster Always movies. Always when the chips are down for the studio, the horror films and the sci-fi films and come in and like, okay, we'll save everything. And then after we save everything, what do they do? They disappear. <laughs> they're gone. Yeah, they're like, ah, we don't need you anymore. We got these stupid blockbusters that don't mean a thing. Yeah, what they do is then they start putting out, they find some old dodgy literature book. I have a literature degree. I can always put down literature if I want. And they find something that no one's read for 100 years or 200 years, pull it out, dust it off, and go, let's make a movie out of this. Let's do a period piece. Yeah, let's make a movie about Jude Obscure to show that we're intelligent. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Don't entertain us. Bore us to death. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that good literature doesn't stand the test of time. It does. Good literature holds up. But how many times do we see bad literature on the on the yeah. big screen? Lots and lots. <laughs> oh, and right now, before we get into tonight's subject, which is going to be, well, we're going to finish up the end of the world as we know it, alien move, alien invasion. And first, we're going to raise a glass. One... I don't even know. I know Vicky probably don't want his name mentioned, but we're not going to mention his name. Vicky's friend, who was in a two, who was in a one-legged dog race between cancer and COVID, and it seems that COVID won. Yeah. And Wilford Brimley and Alan Parker, and even Regis Philbin, because I was in line at the grocery store today and I saw his face, and at first. I'm like, oh, Regis. And then I remembered that he died. And it's just like, yeah, oh, my Regis God. Died, Regis died of old age. Wilford Brimley died of uh, diabetes complications. And old age. Alan I mean, Parker he was 88. Was just sick. Yeah. That's really sad. And then my friend from work, I've been, I just want to say his name, Donald Speed was one of the nicest people that you would ever, ever meet. He would give you a chair if you needed it, and he was, he was, if he needed that chair and you needed that chair, he would give you that chair. He was the nicest person ever, and he passed away today, and I'm very sad about it. So, Hell, Wilson, I'm Brimley. doing this show for him. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I'm. I'm just um, I'm doing this show for him because he would hate to think that I would have not done the show today because of him. And I can tell you this too: he was in the hospital like all those other people alone, and it, he told me that it it's a terrible feeling when you're in the hospital alone like that because of the whole COVID thing. It's it's very very stressful and very hard on you, and so um, I think that we should all just give a prayer and a, or a positive thought to all those people who are in the hospital, not knowing their fate, and hope they all get get better and regain their health. Okay, Whatever you that's got it. To drink while you're listening to this, be it booze, be it water, be it whatever. Lift your glass to everyone in the hospital and everyone that's passed because of COVID. We remember you. We will remember you always. Now, apply right. Okay, real quick. Wilford Brimley, good Lord. The amount of great roles, the small roles that he was in. Uh, the Firm... The China Syndrome, I mean, I love him because when he played a bad guy, he didn't play, overplay <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> you know, he didn't go evil. Like that one this scene in the firm, he's just sitting there, he's like, you know, your wife wouldn't like it if she got these pictures, and I'd hate to be the one to send it to her. 
Now, are you going to play ball with us? <laughs> right, right. That's the when when somebody plays the bad guy and he's threatening you and he's going to torture you or something. That's pretty scary, but it's the ones who play it, you know, really calm, and he, that's how he did it. It was just wonderful and scary. And it was nice seeing him on a horse killing people with uh, bow and arrow, and John Woo's hard target was Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's, that's the one... Um, they have uh, on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget he was in one of the most popular sci-fi films of the 80s, which I would say from a fire before I'd say VT. Oh, yeah. Cocoon. Um, the Thing. Oh, co- no, oh you're talking about Cocoon. Oh, yeah, that was a huge hit. People love that movie. People absolutely love that movie, and it that isn't that really the the movie that made Ron Howard like um, a standard in Hollywood as a director. No, uh, the one that made him a standard was Splash. Cocoon was just. Oh, okay. What I liked about Cocoon is it was sci-fi, and it didn't gloss, and it didn't pussyfoot around the whole. It had old people in there, and they were old. Right, right. They were really old. and I, I didn't mean really, really old. I meant that they were old actors, They're, They had, and they, they weren't made up or had gobs of makeup on. Yeah, and plus it had one of the greatest improvs ever by Wilford Brimley. I'm in the mood for love just because I got one. <laughs> and then you just seen everyone crack up. But yeah. Yeah. But his yeah. most beloved film didn't get love until at the nineties and that was Blair and the Thing. We'll get into that because yes. we're gonna yes. be doing a watch of that this month. Right. Right. <sighs> and uh, um you can't forget the natural. My mom oh. loves that movie, The Natural. And he was so good like in it. Movie, he, I loved him. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a a real fan of the movie. I don't I don't like that sappy love story crap. But <laughs> um, Brimley was great in that movie. And he was mostly well known for being the Quaker Oats guy and all the and all of the commercial he did for diabetes supplies. Right, right. Yeah, he started he started doing commercials long ago. And when he was still doing making movies, he started doing commercials. He just had that calming voice, which is why it made it yeah. so great when he was playing a bad guy like in the firm and stuff, because he he had that warm voice. <laughs> you know. Right. 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 And that so, was Parker. Uh, God, he put out so many good movies. Uh, Midnight Express. 
um, I really liked um, China Syndrome, but I just, How the West Was One, um, I just saw that the other day. That was the TV series. My mom watches those the, the Western yeah. channels, and that was just on the other day in her room. And, uh, you know, he was in The Walton. Ooh, hey. The Full Walton. House? No, what was the <laughs> open house? And so everyone, every, if you're, no matter what your taste is in entertainment, he probably showed up in one of the genres you love. And so you probably have a favorite Wilfred Brindley role. Yeah. And we're going to work with Alan Parker was a British director, but God, some of the stuff he did was great. Like, uh, I loved, uh, he did Birdie, which was great. Uh, Midnight Express. That was a intense movie. Yeah. Pink Floyd's The Wall. Which is the only way I ever got to see Pink Floyd. Well, you know, you know, not see them, but see them. <laughs> yeah. Angel Heart, which is great. Which is, yeah, surprisingly good. I didn't think that movie was going to be good at all. Well, if you watch the trailer, you would think that it's going to be your basic horror film, and it's not. I love how it starts out as a hard-boiled noir film, then it keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And Right. Well, I guess that's Parker's, um, that's his thing, the dark thing. Yeah. Because most of his movies are that dark thing. Mississippi Burning. Yeah, that even though they changed up a lot of the facts, it's still, Mississippi Burning still a great movie. Right, right. I just, you know, when I saw that movie, um, I always was um, fascinated by the way things were burning in that movie. Um, those the the burning scenes, the cross scenes, the house or church, I can't remember, on f- those fire scenes. You have to you have to know what you're doing to pull those things off really well and they were scary and they were breathtaking. Yeah. And uh John Saxon too, but we're gonna cover him on Wednesday. But moving I, I on, I'm going to touch tonight as well. We're going to finish up. Last time we did End of the World, uh, uh, Nuclear and Post Nuke, and now we're doing uh, Virus and Alien because we got one right. film that we can link them both easy. But right. yeah, well, that's always been one of our scares and one of the first sci fi things, you know. The evil virus. Right, right. Well, um, you know, it was uh, Michael Crichton who wrote The Andromeda Strain. 
And Andromeda, the virus that comes down on Andromeda, I, I mean, in the movie, first, the book, which is a fantastic book. I really like the book. I even taught it a couple of times. Um, it comes down from a satellite. There's a satellite, and we have, what, 2 million billion satellites around our Earth right now? It's like we have a ring yeah. around the Earth. And uh, it comes down. It comes uh, Somehow it gets hit or whatever. The military doesn't know that their satellite is in danger, and it crashes down in uh, the desert, in a small town in the desert, in the uh, book, it's in Arizona. In the movie, it's in uh, New Mexico. I think that's it. And, uh, um, it, you know, you can't see a, a virus if people just understood this today. You can't see a virus. So the people that go pick it up are a couple of teenagers. They see it. It crashes near where they're having their little, you know, kissy-kissy session in the evening and they go and they pick it up and they bring it to town. End of story. Yeah. Beginning of story. And I love how in the Indominus strain, they're like, we got to blow up everything, we got to blow up everything, and it turns out the virus <laughs> mutates and becomes harmless. Right. Right. The fantasy Trump keeps hoping for <laughs> with COVID. It'll just well, mutate not and become It's just, you know. Right. No. Lots and lots of viruses mutate into a harmless pathogen. It's not a pathogen anymore. It's yeah. lots and lots of things mutate. In, I mean, if they all mutated into harmful, then we would have never, ever existed. Well, I take my flu virus every year because I've had da 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 da. Let's see, da da da. <laughs> Pneumonia three times, but yeah, if you over virus it and people, I've seen it happen. People overuse the vitamins and stuff, the so-called natural remedies, the vitamin C's, A's and B's, and all that, and they create a superbug. <sighs> yes. Yes. But the That's ones why that the really... virus and the COVID virus are so deadly. It's because, well, one, COVID is quick and AIDS. It mutates. Anything that you can send out to it might stop it now, but it mutates. Right. Right. If you want to know what it, why we should really be scared, go back and dig up Edgar Allan Poe. One of my favorite stories of his deals with uh, viral infection, right, Vicky? Yes, it does. The Mask of yes, the Red Death. Right. Right. Because, again, as we see today in our famous country, America, how um, people don't think that they can be infected because they're elite or they're special in their own brains. Yes, all that kind of thing. Even back during the plague, the Black Death, even back then, people thought they could, you know, 
It only happens to those people over there. And so Poe, in his brilliance, put together his story of it happens to anyone. And they didn't even know that much about um, disease back then. They were just starting to unlock the mysteries. But the mask of the Red Death... well, the movie, the end of it, where it shows the five uh, the uh, hooded figures. Yeah. Well, just look at the colors. One's black, black plague. Red, right. scarlet fever. Yellow. Right. Uh, yellow, yellow fever. Yellow fever. Yeah, yellow fever. Yeah. Blue. Uh, pleurosis. Yeah. It's um, quite telling. But, yeah, I mean, and that's so, it. Uh, he believes because, well, we got people today that believe like Prospero did. Well, I pray to my God that he will save us. Well, God sent these doctors the information to tell us to keep us safe, but you don't listen. But scientists are against the Bible. Oh. Yes. How about that? I swear the scientists just need Jesus to come down from the heavens, get on a microphone, say, Hey, I'm Jesus. Remember me? You see these guys over in the white coats? They cool. Listen to him. Right. See you later. Boom. Right. That that saying that comes from the Bible, God helps those who help themselves. Come on. Yeah. Or that one uh, story about Jesus leading uh, the flock of 50 sheep, and out of the flock, 49 stay together, but one... Uh, Ran off, so Jesus left the 49 together and went and got the 50th. And they were like, why did you leave those 49 sheep? Because the 50th one is the one that needed my help. Yeah, well, people get all those things wrong. That's and it's sad that I've Bible. seen cartoons from the 1920s that people have brought up. That I really, I'd really track down to make sure they actually were from the twenties. That the same things like they cannot tell us to stay quarantine in our houses. It's against our freedom. Right. I don't. It's not for one thing. There's nothing written in that constitution that is so wonderful about quarantine, which they're constantly saying. But the other thing is, is that a hundred years ago, when people, when the Spanish flu was going around, people were asked to quarantine. They did. People were asked to wear masks. They did. But then there were also the protesters. I won't wear a mask. I won't wear a mask, which the Spanish flu flourished for two, three, four years because people wouldn't do what they were asked to do. Hmm. Right. Lesson not learned. And going back to movies, look at Panic in the Streets. That's another great viral outbreak movie. And what it is is a film noir about this scientist 
uh, uh, carrying this super virus, and he gets mugged by a gangster who gets infected by the virus. So they have, so the whole movie's about them trying to track down this gangster who's trying to get away from him because they think that they're after him for the mugging and not because he's infected with this virus that has a 99.99% infection rate. Yeah, well... And then I bet I think that you were um, earlier. You were pointing uh, our our conversation, and I ran over the top of you, which I um, totally apologize. Were you thinking about uh, uh, War of the Worlds when you said um, something about one of the earliest um, virus stories? Yeah, not not the mass. Yeah, the War of the yeah. World. And a little bit of advertising, which we won't get any money for, but they should. Criterion just put out last month a beautiful, beautiful new remaster with extras of George Powell's version of War of the World, which is good watching. And, you sh- and if you're a sci-fi ba- fan, it's on your must-buy list. Well, I guess it's on my list. <laughs> That's me checking the box. Yeah. I need that because I watch it a lot. I like that movie. I like that movie yeah. so much. I mean, I love but the it. whole thing is what? Go ahead. Go ahead. That the fact is like we took our bombs, our missiles, our strongest weapons, and they cannot do nothing to the. Alien visitors, but our smallest, most tiniest of creatures destroyed them. Right, right. Oh, okay, that it just brings me back to, I guess because they're trying to force us back into the schools and everything. Just brings me back to the COVID, the virus, the coronavirus. The whole thing is, is that it's the smallest thing. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't smash it like a bug. And even H.G. Wells knew its potency, you know? Well, and plus the fact that it's like if you go into any situation with your pants down, you're going to end up getting hurt. Yeah. I could that's more true than people want to admit. And I don't and I'm not talking about stuff like that idiot woman at McDonalds who got burned by her coffee and then was like, I can't believe it, I got burned. Right. Right. They just forget about that. And so one of the first movies when the pandemic came out and schools were closing down, one of the first movies I watched was War of the Worlds. And I even watched the Tom Cruise one also because that one's really horrific. I mean, there's so much horror in that movie. In minutes. Which one? Huh? What? 
the Tom Cruise one. What about it? It's good up until that stupid last ten minutes, and then they drop the ball to make oh. sure to have a happy ending. Right. That that it's so unrealistic. So unrealistic. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I agree. That whole the last in the ending of it is. But then again, you guys watch it for yourself. You can decide what you want. But I just. I love the ending of um, of the original because they were not going to make it. Humanity was not going to make it at all. And it didn't matter if you were in a church or wherever. You were not going to make it. And then they succumbed to the virus. A virus. Who knows what kind of virus? Certainly wasn't a virus that kills the humans. <laughs> it was a beautiful ending. So yeah. beautiful. It isn't like in signs where the aliens were basically idiots. Yeah. Sir, I mean, they should have had this thing. Sir, you know how water affects us? Yes, it causes us to burn like acid. So why the hell are we... Attacking one of the wettest, moistest planets in the universe, sir. <laughs> Shit, they must have right. needed corn. Get out of here. <laughs> they needed corn. They had run out of microwave popcorn. <laughs> That's yeah. why they were on Mel Gibson's uh, uh, farm. They needed corn. They, and the reason they we brag so much is that that first 50 or so minutes of it, well, everything pretty much up until the ending of that one, too, is good. The aliens oh, are yeah. scary. It's intense. It's intense. I love the whole idea. I know it gets real spiritual, but I still love the whole idea that even though the mom um, has died and Mel Gibson, as a preacher, has lost his faith in everything, I love all of that mixture of the whole scary aliens, of the the man who needs to find faith in his love for his family again, all that stuff. It mixes up so well. I like that. And about it has that one of the scariest alien reveal scenes ever when he peeks under that door and blah, 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 what the hell? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then he chops off its finger and then it comes to get him. I mean, they were like, um, they're mean aliens. <laughs> yeah. They are mean. Yeah, they I'm had sure. a vindictiveness in them. Yeah. I mean, going back to virus movies, can you think of one from the 50s and it was remade in the 80s too that was a virus that landed on a thing from outer space? Face and just destroyed <laughs> a whole town. Ah, uh, if you're talking about the thing from outer space. <laughs> oh, the blob. Oh, the blob. Oh, see that movie to me, even as a child, was so. I don't know. Have you it ever never got the '88 remake? Yeah, of course I have. <laughs> that one's good. But, yeah, I mean, that the idea of it is what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, the idea of it is pretty scary. 
Yeah, how quick it runs out of control. But right. Uh, uh, well, I think that you know people that make movies or stories like that are actually trying to. One of the scariest books I've ever read is called Dust, and it's about that. But it's not about a virus as much as it's about the um, the ecological logical change that we are doing to the earth and how if it gets out of balance there are things that that we don't even think about that can kill us and coronavirus is is definitely in that same uh uh area of look what happens when we tear down the the forest but this was um dust mites were taking over towns and killing people right and left in the middle of the night, waves and waves of them because the, the economic, economic uh, ecological um, balance was disrupted, and it all really had to do with fungus. I mean, there's lots of things. The, the blob reminds me of the fungus. The fungus is everywhere. You know, fungus yeah. kills us today. And it's everywhere, and it actually connects to each other, and it actually talks to its other parts around the, the ground, underground. Yeah, and people don't thing. realize that a lot of the COVID cases are not being spread by sick people, but by right. typhoid Marys. Yes. Lots of them. And Typhoid Mary, when the typhoid crisis happened in America, it turns out there was this woman named Mary who had the virus and was spreading it around, but it didn't affect her or anything, and that they had to keep her isolated because she had a 100% chance of spreading it to other people. And she did it blindly and didn't care about other people. All she cared about was her job and her life and things like that. So that's become a catch term for someone who has the disease but isn't affected by it but but spreads the disease. Right, right. That's Like, I was at the grocery store today, as I mentioned earlier, and there was this guy, and believe me, he is one—he is a high-risk person. How do I know that? Well, for one thing, he was on one of those rider, you know, the electronic rider baskets that you ride on. Plus, he was yeah. about 300 pounds, and he had very poor coloring. And he's down the, the chip and cracker aisle, and there's a certain cracker I like to eat. It's... Um, a healthy one, you know. But anyway, um, I was going to buy a box of those. those, I know, Ritz are, oh, let's not get started on crackers. Um, I was going to go down the aisle and buy it, but he didn't have his mask on. And as soon as I looked at him in the eye, he put his mask on. And I just go, not going down that aisle. That's what I said. I just said that because I'm not going to go down the aisle that the man who's obviously not a healthy individual doesn't have his mask on. He's breathing all over the boxes and the, the chip bags and everything. Forget it. 
people don't understand. You know, masks are like clothes now, people. Find one that fits your style. I actually see right. this woman out with the bedazzled with rhinestone-covered medical mask. Yeah, my mask has, guess what, <laughs> stars and planets. I mean, it has Saturn on it. It has the moon on it. Gee. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the one I wear all the time because it fits my style. <laughs> I don't know why people can't have fun with them. Oh, it's choking me. Oh, I can't breathe. Well, then you're not wearing it right. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I got the asthma. Well, I got COPD, and I'm wearing one, and it ain't made me not go yet. I know. I know. It's just ridiculous. However, if it was a scary blob thing, if people could actually visualize the coronavirus into, like, the blob, then um, then maybe they'd wear the mask. Well, it's more comforting to believe that it's all bullshit and a lie than to believe that it's actually going to kill you. I understand that, the placebo effect. Right. Well, what I really, what really irritates me is the herd, herd immunity thing that doesn't, they thought herd immunity was what was keeping the measles from spreading. It wasn't, it was vaccinating. Because as soon as enough people stopped vaccinating their children, People started getting the measles again. And believe me, I've had the measles. They ain't fun. And they yeah, were they a... Um, what Citizen Kane said. And yes, we're going to the Citizen Kane quote. If I tell you that the virus is fake, you can say to yourself, is this guy full of shit? But if I write it down on paper, it becomes a fact because it's written on paper. Yeah. It's a transport over to, well, if it's written online, it must be true because the Internet wouldn't lie to us. Yeah, the biggest liar out there, other than the president of America, is the Internet. Just because everyone can't have a voice doesn't mean they should, but. True. But, yeah, sci-fi and all in the virus. Well, James Bond in the 60s, the James Bond spy ripoffs, they love their viruses that are going to destroy the world. Right. How many movies of James Bond was like that? Or James Bond knockoffs. Yeah, there you go. Plenty. Wait, what did I just see? Oh, I was watching Sanctuary, one of my favorite uh, shows of the 2000 teens uh, with Amanda Tapping as Helen Magnus. Uh, there was a, one episode that had a virus in it. One, one of the characters was uh, carrying 
a, she was trying to get the virus to a safe place because once it was unleashed, if it was unleashed as a weapon, it would destroy the world. People would be dying almost instantly. And so that has been, that's, that's a, uh, a what? A trope almost, right? Yeah. Even Star Trek had a virus episode. If you remember. The one where everybody, where um, their hands, they touch each other, and then they either they go crazy or they act, they act out in some way. Yeah. That was one of the first episodes, one of the very first episodes too. of the original series. Yeah. And what? Uh, oh, Remember the Tribbles. Tribble. The Tribbles saved their lives by eating virus-infected corn. And it right, them. right. Those poor things are so cute. But tribbles are kind of like they're an invasive species, which is um, like a virus. <laughs> the tribbles yeah. were taking over the the starships and the and the star base. <laughs> yeah, that has to be one of the most asshole things that Kirk's ever done. Oh, send those tribbles over. What did you do with all the tribbles? Oh, I teleported them into the Klingon ship. <laughs> you mother. Still pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's always been a big sci-fi trope: the virus. Right. And they've used viruses and aliens to disguise red communists. Oh, my God, invasion of the body snatchers and all that, you know. Right, right. Well, invasion of the body snatchers is anti-herd. That's what's funny. The 50s one and the 79 one was anti-herd mentality, you know. Right. And on the 92 one. But then you got the one with uh, Nicole Kidman, and the happy ending was, they became part of the herd. That shows where they want right. their minds to be. They, um, they, um, the, there was, um, uh, the future James Bond was in that movie. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was trying to say. <laughs> and you're wrong. I mean, the trend, this is the Segway film that I was thinking of. What? Hey, Vicky, what if the uh, alien creature was like a virus, as in it infected a host, destroyed the host, and took its knowledge and its strength, and then left the host's body and become the embodiment of the host? Right. The scariest thing ever. And what movie monster am I thinking of? You're you're thinking of the thing that the scariest thing I've ever seen is the thing. Nope. Go back a couple years to 1979. 1979. Where the, what? Where the monster incubates itself inside its host oh. being. 
Oh, okay, alien. Yeah, yeah. of course. Of course, alien. There, nothing scared me more than alien until I saw John Carpenter's thing. But alien is the scariest alien invasive creature ever. Yeah, and it becomes whatever the thing it is. They tried to explore that in Alien 3, but they screwed it up. Right. With the dog alien. Yeah. So much wrong with Alien 3. So much wrong. But, yeah, the thing, that is the perfect example of a viral outbreak. Heck, even Blair in the movie, which we'll get into much more deeper, has that one scene with the computer, and that's scary. And it shows the pure scariness of the virus. They don't know who's infected, who's not. Then they become paranoid. They don't trust each other. Right, right. Well, how can you? at that point. Well, oh, yeah. I don't even like going out these days. You know, when it first happened and we all felt kind of like, what's happening? We're all in this together. When I go into the grocery store, I kind of felt like, you know, we're all in this together. Now it's not like that anymore. That's because it's an election year. Yes. And it's not pro-mask and anti-mask anymore. It's Democrat. It's liberals versus conservatives. Both sides have taken what should have been an argument to save our lives and turned it into their own tiny little bullshit fort. You know, I've seen some crazy stuff in my life, but I have never seen people as crazy on a freaking almost daily basis as I see them now. I really think I'm in one of those horror movies. I really do. Like Pontypool, where people go crazy. Yeah, because of war, it's a vi- it's a viral infection caused by words. Right, that's exactly what's happening on uh, through the media and through the the yeah the media. Man, it's all a hoax. It's all a hoax. <sighs> yeah, but you know, kind of in the thing. At first, nobody believes there's any anything going on until, of course, the dogs are infected. Yeah, until they see their patient zero outbreak. Yeah. And then they're like, well, that can't happen. I wasn't even with the dogs. And then... Um, What's his name? I can't think of his name until it happens right outside in front of them. Oh, uh, child. Not child. That's the black guy. Yeah, that's, that's not child. No, 
No, child is the uh, bald is, guy uh, that gets attacked by the frozen remains. Yes. Yeah. And it's and a scientist to... who knows they're screwed before they're screwed. They say he's infected. I say no, he's not infected till later. Until the thing realizes that he is the dangerous one to it. Right. Right. Well, when he's pleading for them to let him out, uh, that's a great scene. You know when they lock him up? Yeah. Ready to come back in now. Yeah. And then you just yeah. see that noose over there. Yes. It's, those are some brilliant scenes. Because they build on that whole mystery of the unknown. When you get the when you get the flu virus, you don't know you have the virus until you know that moment when you get a little bit dizzy and your throat is a little bit sore and you, you kinda yeah. like feel I saw Tom Hanks on an interview the other day and he said that he was coming home well not home, but back to the hotel room in Australia. He and Rita were in a car and they were coming back to after um rehearsal or after they shot some scenes on that very good um, submarine movie. I saw it. It was very good. So anyway, he he turned to Rita, his wife, and he says, you know, I'm feeling a little punky. And she goes, yeah, I have a really bad headache. He goes, yeah, just, you know, it's that moment when you think, God, do I have the flu? Because, man, I I feel a little punky. And now he isn't even an American citizen anymore because he declared permanent residence and become a citizen of Switzerland. Who did? Tom Hanks. Did he? I didn't even know that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live in this country right now either. Well, I've wanted to leave since Trump became president. But yeah, I mean, alien is all. Aliens have always been the boogeyman. Right. Right. One of my favorites in the old days is, uh, that shows us how in a bad light is, uh, well, the creature from Planet X. The one where it turns out that it was scared and just trying to get its ship fixed, and we're bullies, and yeah. ended up killing yeah. it. That um, I love that movie. That's one of my favorite favorite movies. It's got it's it's written by somebody who studied a lot of literature because <laughs> it's nobody says Edgar Oliver directed it. Yes, it's just I love that, and the scientist in the 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 story is just my favorite character. Oh my gosh! But the whole thing is. The planet X is getting closer and closer to Earth, and they're trying to figure out, they are trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And they, there's something wrong. There's something that we never get to find out. Why is their planet getting closer to us? Why do they send an emissary here? What's going on? Because as soon as the guy gets here and is is passes out and so they take him the two kind human beings take him and he passes out so 
So maybe Earth is deadly to him. They take him back to their home to convalesce him, and the evil, jealous scientist, the evil scientist, um, bullies him and hurts him and tortures him. Just like human beings, boy, we are. We are you know, that has to be my favorite line from the man who fell on the earth. I'm sorry for what we did to you. Oh, don't worry yeah. about it. We'd probably do the same to you if we, you landed on our planet. <laughs> That's Maybe. civilization, you know. Right. You know. Aliens are landed. Let's cut them open. (laughs) They are so afraid of us knowing the truth for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm having a hard time with that myself. Um, Let's just take Andromeda strain. Here's this, this this disease they don't know what it is yet but it kills humans almost instantly as soon as it gets into your system it gets into your blood and it takes all the oxygen out of your blood and your blood coagulates or something like that i can't remember and and you literally your blood is like glue and you you die that way you're choking because your blood can't circulate anymore yeah and and if you um, remember Getting paranoid. I think this was more in the remake and the book than the movie. Is that it is a government created virus, and that's why they're trying to kill it and lock it down. So one, the Russians can't get it, and two, there's no evidence that they're do that they're doing illegal experiments and viral in outer space. Right, the um, that's what the miniseries was all about. The book was actually one of those. the The reason why the miniseries changed from how the book was a, the original because the thing John Carpenter did it so well with the thing. It came from outer space and it landed here and it was frozen and we uncovered it and the way the thing moves on our planet is from from warm body to warm body and that's the way a virus moves and so in the miniseries they changed that to be even more of a threat because humans were making it yeah I mean it's always like that we find out there's aliens or something let's experiment on them Right, right. And we're forgetting the major, one of the best virus books, which they are remaking, and I hope it's good. And that is, well, going back, Stephen King in 1972 wrote a short story about a group of people dancing in the beach talking about how the world ended because of Captain Trips. right. And uh, that short story became, and him writing that short story and him listening to uh, 
Blue Oyster Cults Don't Form the Reaper became the stand. Exactly. Exactly. My favorite Stephen King book. And then it became one of my favorite miniseries. I watch it at least once a year. I the love casting her, but Molly miscast. That's about the only miscasting in the whole movie. Right, right. I just said the casting was perfect, but yeah, Molly Ringwald was miscast. But other than that, everyone else is perfect. Oh God, yeah. How are they going to replace Gary Sinise as two red? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That just is is mind blowing, and I guess I'll see it when I see it. Um, because they didn't finish it before COVID lockdown. But how do you how do you how do you do better than Gary Sinise? And what actor today is like Gary Sinise? Zero. Yeah, and, so, and they did the short version of the book, so I wonder if this one's going to be the long version of the book. Well, for a miniseries, it depends on how long the miniseries is going to run. Yeah. Because yeah, they I'm cut one a of those lot out. All the extra details in the in the so-called uncut version of the stand. Right, right. And uh, um, yeah, like there's a lot in Arizona in the prison where um, the devil is at, and how that all those those connections he makes down there all become the Nevada group. Um, there's a lot that they cut out from that miniseries. I still love well, it, though. Actually, no, they didn't cut it out. They did the perfect yeah, adaption of the short version of the book, which most people right. haven't read. Right. That's true. That's very true. But yeah, I mean, and that. so, but that's a Go that's ahead. one of the best um, virus movies because it gets out of the lab, and Gary Sinise, just like in the book, gets caught down inside the lab because they figure out that he is so valuable. He's one of the only people, and he's he's one of the only people who who doesn't get sick. So they capture him. And they take him down into a lab. And then the virus gets out even in in that atmosphere and kills everyone. It's just scary. How's he going to get out? <laughs> scary stuff. Yeah. And Alien, oh, Lord, there's just too many good ones out there. I mean, the Alien franchise, period. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're not talking Star Wars type aliens. We're talking the metaphor ones like, oh, God, they're going to kill us, you know. Well, there's, um, you know, every zombie movie starts with a virus outbreak now. That's because they're following the rules of George Romero in 1968. Most people forget that. And it never was written in stone that uh, 
it, one of the possibilities is that a, that a satellite fell from outer space and some mysterious radiation on it caused the outbreak to happen. Right. Well, there's there's just so many, but the very first one was I Am Legend. The well, not I guess not the very first one, but that was the 1950s by uh, Matheson. Yeah, that's another one where it dealt with uh, a virus. Right, the virus that. Humans made the people believe that they're vampires. Right. But the alien movies are not, it's hard to say alien movies without saying alien movies, right? (laughs) Yeah. And we're talking about the core ones, not the not the aliens versus predator offshoots, which weren't that good. Okay, here's one. I don't know why I haven't even thought about this or I haven't mentioned that this one. I have read the Southern Reach um, trilogy, and it haunts me. I always talk about it on my Facebook page. Annihilation was the movie that um, they put out about they don't call it a virus because it's not quite a virus, but this thing comes down from outer space, from space, and it lands near a lighthouse on a beach in Louisiana. I think it's Louisiana or in Alabama. But yeah. anyway, it starts changing everything around it and then it starts growing it doesn't just grow into the ground it grows into the ground it grows up into the atmosphere in like this bubble yeah and it slowly takes over this space of the earth and it slowly grows until something happens and then it grows fast there are points when it grows very fast and then points where it grows very slow. But anyway, that's the whole trilogy. And well, yeah, I mean, Annihilation, the movie, was another adaption of H.P. Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space. Right. It's the same thing like that. It's and the, same, if that's the Color Out of Space, it is a virus or a little alien bugs that fall to earth and you know adapt they adapt and then change the earth which is also another thing about the thing the thing is doing the same exact thing in john carpenter's thing it's doing the same thing it falls here and it adapts so that it can live in this new environment and so well, how instead would you of just feel if you accidentally crashed your car and then when you got out there was these bunch of crazy mother fathers that are trying to kill you for no reason. Right. You have to adapt and, and survive. Yeah. Right. Cuz so, you know Blair I'm was not building really... a ship. They're 
it's just trying right. to get off the damn planet, people. Right. <laughs> but we wouldn't let them. But annihilation is completely different. It's more like a viral infection when it's not really a virus because it takes people over and people know once they become, once they breathe in the spores, they know that they're being changed and then overnight the change happens to them and they know they are not, they're a copy of themselves and then their real self becomes part of the landscape and then their copy um, experiences this new place. It's so mind blowingly scary. Watch Annihilation and the new Richard Stanley, The Color Out of Space. It's a hell of a double feature, and both are good adaptions. They are. They're very good. Annihilation is actually an adaptation, uh, um, adaptation of all three of the the novels, the Southern Reach novels, they put different aspects of all three of the novels into one film, which you have to read all three novels to realize that that's what they did for the movie. But I'm telling you, if you watch the movie and you read the book, it's going to give you a different perspective on life, especially pandemics. Well, that's odd. Instead of making it an overly long free picture series, they condensed and made yeah. something better. <laughs> That's not how yeah. we do things nowadays. Let's stretch it out. Yeah. It's totally different than, yeah, what you would expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just not the... <laughs> Which I found extremely satisfying. Like I said, I talk about it a lot, and on my Facebook page, and I, um, I, I will read the books again. They're done in the the second person point of view. It's very odd. The whole thing is odd. That's why it's so good. So anyway, and the color, and out, the color of space out of space the movie is very odd too, but it's very very good. It's very scary, and it's very, very good. And if you're looking for a good outcome on either one of those, forget it. Because viral infections, there's not usually a good outcome. That's why I don't want to get the virus. Maybe I'll recover. But what are the long-term effects of, of the virus? Yeah. We well, don't know. And of, there, uh, go ahead. No, no. And, well, that, they're just finding out from people who were in, infected in China and uh, um, uh, the other countries, the other Asian countries, they've had months and months to be recovered, and they're coming back with different pro- health problems. And so that's, you know, you survive. My, my nephew, he just, he was tested, and he doesn't have the virus anymore. But he's still weak. He's still not totally healthy yet. But what's going to happen to him in 20 years, 10 years? So I'm really glad that he's healthy. But at my friend who just passed away, it exasperated his already bad condition. 
Well, if you notice, a lot of them have been died. The COVID virus and all this has exasperated their bad conditions. Exactly. And so that's what some of these, some of the scary movies, like, you know, one of my favorite virus movies is, um, series is uh, Resident Evil. I really like the first three movies. The rest of them are not so good. But I love the first one. And then the, oh, the second one is three, pretty yeah, good. Oh, the first three, yeah, they're good. Yeah. And the third one's not so bad either. I mean, you're starting to get into a, a little bit of the, I don't know, into the craziness of it. Yeah. yeah. But still, um, the first one's really good. I mean, you know, Problem no one knows what's happening. The ending of three sets up a great fucking sequel for four. You got the 300 Alice's ready to kick ass. And right. then they're all dead in the first two minutes, two or three minutes of four. What the right. fuck? Right. You're so right. It's so good. It, the, the setup is perfect. And then they went in and they wrote a completely different story. Well, the, the audience is expecting this, so let's just get rid of it and, and write a different story. What? Yeah, I I agree. I agree, but that's another, another, uh, you know, another movie that kind of mimics, even though it's what ten, fifteen years old now. I don't know how old it is. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is a great infection movie. It's funny. Oh yeah, it's a great <laughs> little movie because it takes its comedy seriously and it takes the monsters serious too. Right. The people that don't take it seriously, they get infected right off. Bam, bam. Oh, that's nothing. But that's nothing. Bam, infected, infected. And yeah. then um, Sean's um, mother gets it, and he's just devastated. Of course, he's tried to protect her, and that I think that's the stage we're in now with the pandemic, with our coronavirus. Those of us who get infected now, we're going to try to protect our loved ones or our loved ones are now going to get infected because it's everywhere. The Shaun of the Dead is just really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a rough... I can't wait to get out of this year. Hopefully next year will be better. I've already written this year off. I wish I could. I wish I could, but I'm in, you know, when I became a teacher, I thought I was going to have a nice, quiet rest of my life. <laughs> Joke's on have me. Have you ever seen that a Canadian movie, uh, Don't Shoot the Teacher? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's great. It's Bud Cord who plays this guy who's... Uh, just graduated there, and he's like, I'm going to become a teacher. I'm going to change the world. That's, I and never had that thought. And he ends up in this small <laughs> rural town and basically goes through the years from hell but just barely sees enough to realize that he actually did make a difference, even though it's a shit job. It, when I, I've been in teaching now for 20 years. Not because I wanted to be, because 
circumstances changed. When I was in the media, I was in my element. But living in the town that I live in, that is it's nearly impossible to make a living with benefits in that in the media. So I changed and moved into teaching. And uh, I didn't I didn't set out to change the world. I set out to have a nice quiet life. I was tired of uh, a loud, rambunctious life. And now, now, Jesus, online learning. I have 150 students. I saw it today. So I'm. I don't mean to change the subject or anything, but I'm just saying everything's no. so crazy. I'm so yeah, it's like 2020. It's just crazy. Yeah, oh, hey, here's like, another. Uh, when my mom was yeah. 20, oh, I'm going to get a job based on how much money I make, how much money it pays me. When I was in my 20s, oh, we're going to get a job based on the insurance we get. Right, right, right. I just wanted to generation like, is the first generation to not do better than their parents. Right. And it's gone downhill from there. Right. Exactly. I don't want to talk about my sons and their prospects and how my son in the Navy works his butt off for pennies. Everyone thinks, oh, the military, the military. <laughs> nah. But... You know what, I just came across um, a film that I know it's kind of like a vampire film, but it's still also an infection, infectious film. Yeah, what? And that's Life Force, 1985, Toby oh, Hooper. Oh, God, vampires, yeah. Yeah. Because what I is a vampire anyway? Is look in the... The scene where they're in the museum, Vicky, and they're talking uh-huh. to each other, and there's a tablet behind the younger guy. Mm-hmm. And you know what the tablet reads? No. Uh-uh. The Bernard Quartermass Memorial <laughs> Exhibit. <laughs> no, I had no idea. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'll have to watch that film again. Oh, you need to. It's great. If you get to see the oh, uncut, yeah. the longer version actually makes sense, not the crap that we got in the 80s in the U.S. Right, it's, right, right. It's like the fifth quartermass film. There were wow. three main ones, which was uh, Invaders from Outer Space, or the quartermass experiment, quartermass 2, and 50 million miles to Earth or quarter mass three. Well, I had no idea that this film was linked to those. Well, it was a, it was a love note, you know. Yeah. Well, and, love uh, note. Then there was the English blob film, which. Hammer wanted to do a fourth sequel to the Quartermass films, but as Nigel Kidd told him, he's dead. But what? what a, he's dead. <laughs> so they went and made X the Unknown. 
And then uh, oh, the book really? Space Vampires, which is where uh, Life Force came. Oh, yeah. I get it. I get and it. To prove how confusing the U.S. version was, you know the scene where they find the fifth husk of the vampire? Yeah. And the ship wasn't in the U.S. cut. And you know the scene at the end of the movie where they explain that uh, the U.S. astronaut was the fifth vampire? Yes. Wasn't in the U.S. cut. So the whole connection between the female and the male was not explained. The ending is them and getting into the museum, and then it shows them uh, kissing each other like that. Then he just says, throw me to spare, and then he stabs them both. Like, right. And right. that's it. <laughs> I guess that's what we Americans, we're so stupid, that's what we get. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? But the longer yeah. cut is the better cut, and it's actually a great sci-fi movie. Well, I think that's. Um, I'm glad you said that. Kiss. In that movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, God. Yeah, back was uh, Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss with anybody. <laughs> Oh my god, that's really hilarious. Okay, now I have to find my um DVD even though it's the crappy one. I got to find it. You got to play it. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I mean, oh, you know what? Before going crazy, oh. but yeah. We're still with eight minutes left because Vicky's got to go at 9.30, so it's almost time to end the show. 90 minutes goes fast when you got something to talk about, doesn't it? Right, right. I didn't even realize till I just looked at the time. Can I mention another um, uh, group of movies that's really good? Go it's, ahead. Um, the, Russian, the Russian movies, um, the, the Daywatch movies. Oh, Daywatch they, and um, Nightwatch. Did they ever make the watch. third one? Yeah, it's called Daylight's End. Oh. And so, yeah, and those are really good movies because, I mean, everything is crazy in the movie. You don't know what's happening. You think you're going to root for this guy, and then this guy is a bad guy, and this guy's infected, and it's just, it's crazy but really good, especially for times like we're living through right now. And so even though it's... um you can you can have it dubbed. You can watch the movie dubbed, or you can watch it in um, in subtitles. I would recommend watching it in subtitles first, just because I just loved it. Oh, sorry. And so, those are movies. I think they're from the early two thousands. The Daylight, or the Nightwatch Daylight film. 
And then also the um, 28 Days, 28 Weeks Later films, those are really good virus films, too. Oh, and uh, watch the subtitles version, not watching Day Watch, because they did a horrible job in the dubbing, and they leave out a lot of plot details. It makes the movie a lot less confusing. Right, right. I I mean, after you watch the movie with subtitles the first time, then you can go and watch the dub version and know what's going on and you're not missing anything. God, there's a scene in the bathroom with the kid in the bathroom, the beginning or sort of the first third of the movie. Oh, man, it's just really worth it. Yeah. You know, and another science fiction film also is the Aeon Flux and um, Ultraviolet. Even though Ultraviolet is kind of campy, it's still about virus and viral in um, changing yeah. people. Aeon Flux Aeon, also. Uh, no. If you're going to watch Aeon Flux, find the, car, find the animated series DVD or find the animated series to watch. Don't watch that movie. God, no. Watch the car. You can watch that movie if you're going to – that's a popcorn movie. Or if you're really tired and you want to fall asleep to something, watch that movie. Yeah, you'll fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I've done it many times. I'm tired. I want to watch a movie. What movie can I fall asleep to? And Flux. Bam. There you go. <laughs> well, Scarlett Johansson is the best female action star of this decade. No, no, not her. The one who plays Neon Flux played. Uh, oh, Char- um, uh, Charlize uh, Theron. Charlize Theron, yeah. 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 <laughs> no shit. She's the best. Um, have you seen The Old Guard yet? Oh, God, yeah. I watched it the second week it was on Netflix. Yeah, I think I watched it the end of the first week it was on. Yeah, great. Super great. But, yeah, this is going to be an interesting week. Wednesday, me and uh, Nate are going to be what? talking about John Saxon's films and we're going to be fine, have a little fight because he says the best John Saxon film is A Nightmare on Elm Street and I'm fighting for Enter the Dragon mm. I think Enter the Dragon yeah he's just I don't know he's, he proves a lot about who he is as an actor and as a person in Enter the Dragon. That's what I think. Well, don't forget Queen of Blood, too, which is both like a virus and an alien movie. Yeah. I forgot about that. But, yeah, and uh, Saturday, me and Fred will be watching Face Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. 3D oh, sci-fi so cheese from the early 80s with uh, Michael Ironside is his first big role as the bad guy. And who doesn't love Michael Ironside? <laughs> I don't know. And Peter Strauss is the hero uh, slash ham <laughs> solo character. Yeah, which is kind of funny. And Molly Ringwall is the plucky young girl that 
seems like all of the Star Wars ripoffs had plucky young girls. Right, because that was the beginning of rise up the female. We had to yeah. be plucky before we could be smart. <laughs> and Sunday, life permitting, which probably will be, me and Vicky are going to be doing a rewatch of Rocket Man because we need that kind of freaking movie. Yes. Yes, we do. And thank you all for listening, and thanks to everyone who posted asked, posted, and asked me about how my esophagus thing has been going this week. They just cut two little holes in They just cut two little pores in it, so I'm doing all right. You can tell by his voice, and he's laughing. I'm always laughing. Smile, even though your heart is breaking, smile. <laughs> oh, the theme song. <laughs> should have you should work that into your um your end your end music. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think my end song will be pissing in the wind by Jimmy Jeff Walker because it just fits. Yeah. I just put that song on a on a uh, a compilation that I did the other day about the fruitlessness of it all. <laughs> and dedicated to everyone and Vicky's friend. Here we go and good night everybody. Good night. Father's home Tomorrow I believe in I'll be on my own To the hills As a child I'll go But I'd rather be a wanderer To never go at all Pity there's just emptiness But with sorrow there comes joy And I would rather die in a hurricane Than to never know a storm Fears I know I face them As my castle walls fall Oh, but I would let those castles I'd never love at all In my soul A song like I can feel her dance Go 